Hi, uh, welcome to the first episode of the podcast that I haven't named yet. I'll figure out a name once I start posting it, but, uh, it's basically just going to be a music podcast. That's all it's really going to be, because that's all I really care about. Uh, uh, I checked my sets for Spotify earlier, and, um, there are only nine artists that I have listened to over the past four weeks, which is odd for me, because I normally listen to a lot. But the top one is Frank Ocean, because uh, I went through a breakup the other month. I got sad, and I decided to listen to Blonde. Now, the thing about Blonde is that I have history with it. Uh, I got into hip-hop from Igor, which I know Igor isn't even really hip-hop, but that's how I got into hip-hop. And so I was always more of the Igor in terms of odd future neo-soul projects, right? I always went with Igor. And I listened to Blonde once when I was, like, a freshman, and I just didn't like it at all. Like, I didn't see any, any like, I just didn't get it. Uh, but I listened to it again a couple months ago, and it really changed everything that I thought about this album. It's, it's hard to explain, because I feel like this album is a 10 out of 10, right? But I have tracks that I like more than others, which is normally a giveaway that an album is not. But I, I think with the way this album is... I think it's the exception because obviously you're not going to be bumping be yourself or fucking Facebook story, right? You know, you're not just going to be driving, bumping those. But anyways, I, I guess I'll just do a track by track review. Uh, I have the track list on this bootleg vinyl I bought. It is sick as fuck. It actually sounds really good. Uh, I would put a picture up on screen, but this is a podcast, so I can't. But... So, Nikes is the opening track, and this track grew on me, but at first, at first, I mean, I'm not talking about way back then, I'm talking about, like, a few months ago, it wasn't really my favorite, I, I thought it was alright, um, th- for me, it was most of the pitched vocals that kind of threw me off, but I really, I really started to like the pitched vocals, especially in listening to Channel Orange more, because he uses pitched vocals on that album too, hell, fucking, in the second song, uh, really high pitch. Do you not think so far? Bullshit, whatever. Alright, song two, Ivy. This is a good one. This is the first Frank Ocean song I ever listened to and liked. It's... I don't know how to describe it. It's just good. I'm not even going to use words to describe Ivy, because Ivy is such a good introduction to Frank Ocean. Like, easily. But I'm not going to try and even explain why it's so good, because it's just good. Pink and White, now Pink and White is probably one of my favorite songs from the album, but it is not my favorite song from the album. I would probably give it to Self Control or White Ferrari, uh, maybe Nights, but Pink and White is Frank Ocean's most popular song at the moment, uh, and has been for a while. Um, I could see why, but personally, I don't think it should be his most popular song. I think that should go to Self Control, Nights, or White Ferrari, but... I am not audience. I don't decide what does good and what doesn't. Um, after Pink and White, you got Be Yourself, which uh, if you haven't listened to this album, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but Be Yourself is an interlude track of a voicemail from someone's mom, presumably Frank's, telling him not to do drugs or drink or anything, going off to college. It's like a minute long. It's not really... You know, it's not really a song. It's just a little interlude because... You just had three pretty, uh, pretty, uh, interesting songs, and then you just need a little break. And Solo, 
Uh, Solo I did not like for the longest time. Uh, not that I forced myself to like it. It's just come around on me. It's... I've bec- <laughs> The thing with this album is that, like, if you, like, read the lyrics, they're good, right? And if you listen to the instrumentals, they're good. But they're only truly great when they come together. And I think Frank's voice is really what ties that all together. But, yeah, Solo, um... I really like the chorus. Inhaling her layers have on... That's really nice. I uh, that comes into my head a lot. Um, Skyline Two is probably it's it's up there. It's good. Uh, I don't like the way it starts out. It starts out a little bit slow, but uh, it's only really like that for about twenty seconds, so it doesn't really have much of an impact on the song at all. Uh, now, Self Control is probably my favorite song on the album for reasons I will not get into. This song is very close to me for, because I, I, it hits close to home, right? That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm not trying to start a big ass fucking therapy session, right? It hits close to home, and I really like it for that. Uh, Good Guy is uh, another interlude, but uh, of the three interludes on this album, being Be Yourself, uh, Good Guy, and Facebook Story, uh, I'd say it's definitely the best Facebook Story. Best Facebook story? It's definitely the best interlude. Yes, I'm recording this on my phone and someone just sent me messages and I'm getting very mad about that. Sorry about that. I had to get up in the middle of the podcast, which I knew was going to happen, but I'm too lazy to edit this. I'm just recording it on my phone and fucking uploading it. Do I do audio production? Yeah. But I don't feel like setting up a microphone and interface and all that shit. So, where were we? We were a good guy, right? Yeah. So, good guy, I think, is the best interlude. Because it's the most musical and... I don't know. I really like Frank's vocals on this. Uh, they're, they're definitely not, like, his most, like... You know, it's not like it has a giant range or whatever. But I just like the way Frank sounds on this track. And it's really good. Now, I got Knights. Which is a contender for my favorite. I have been listening to Nights. I probably listened to it about 20 times today. Unironically. And, I mean, it's a great song. Uh, the chorus of Nights is the best fucking thing I've ever heard. It is so good. It's so catchy. It's written so well. His voice is so good. I love the beat change in the middle because this is the halfway point of the album. And so halfway through the halfway point of the album, there is a beat switch. That signifies the beginning of the second half of the album. Because if you don't know, this album has 17 tracks. Uh, what number is Nights? I don't know. Let me think. Uh, five plus four. It, no, Nights is nine. Uh, so, yeah, it's basically the halfway point. Uh, especially when you factor in, like, the length of, what's it called? Fucking transition tracks and whatever. Next is Solo Reprise. Um, I like this one a lot. Uh, I love Outkast, uh, specifically Andre. I like Big Boy too, but I feel like we can all agree that Andre is the better member of Outkast. I mean, <laughs> who's really who's really saying Big Boy's better? But uh, I I really like. I think this is one of my favorite Andre verses in general. I mean, the whole song is basically just one verse. Um, the beat is weird <laughs> and a little odd, but not in a bad way. And I think that it plays really well with 
Andre's style of really fast rapping, but not just like, you know, fast rapping, but not like corny fast rapping, if you know what I mean. Not like Eminem hitting you with the, uh, some of, them, some of that bullshit. No one cares. That's not impressive. <laughs> like, no one gives a fuck. Uh, C1. I don't know why I said C1, because, oh, I, yeah, I'm looking at the, I'm literally holding the outer sleeve of my bootleg in my hand, so the track list is like A1, B3, but, uh, pretty sweet. Uh, this track is weird. It's not anything else. It's not like anything else on the album, right? It is... <laughs> I remember when I first heard this track, I I had no... I just kind of stopped listening to the album because I was like, if this is what the rest of the thing is going to be like, I don't know. Uh, but I grew to, I've grown to like it. Uh, mainly, I think it just provides a really good... It's a, there's a really good transition from solo reprise to pretty sweet. I think it's a very good way to start the second half of the album. Uh, which, I mean, they did in Nights, I guess. Yeah, they did do that in Nights. I don't know why I said that. But, basically, when I reach pretty sweet, it's kind of like, yeah. The next few songs are going to be like, you know, a quick run to the end. So, and if you haven't heard pretty sweet, and I'm just talking about it, it starts off weird with uh, some... Just kind of like screamy, echoey, vo not screamy, but just echoing vocals and this weird background synth. But eventually it gets this really fast drum thing. I don't even, I guess, I got yeah, beat, but, uh, and it is fucking sick. It's awesome. It's one of my favorite moments on the album. Uh, Facebook story, uh, is definitely a good interlude. Uh, it's not as good as good guy, but it's better than be yourself. Um, I like the guy's accent. I think it's French because he says like Facebook uh, Facebook, something like that, uh, <laughs> I also do like the whole symbolism of it, and the commentary on the social media culture, and the absolute, like, confusion in his voice, it, it's good, it's good, it's really good, uh, Close to You is good, I don't really have much to say about it, though, it's good, but it's not good in the way that I will typically have a lot to say about it. I'm rambling right now. I'm high, by the way, so whatever. But I'm rambling. <laughs> uh, White Ferrari is, like, the best song I've ever heard. I cry every time. I will scream every word at the top of my lungs. Um, it's so good. I'm going to come back to White Ferrari, because this is a transition to the next topic I want to talk about on the podcast. We're going to go to Siegfried next. Siegfried's good. Um... It's really, uh, it's kind of like a cooldown track from White Ferrari, because White Ferrari, I think, I would say that White Ferrari is the peak of the album in terms of, not peak in terms of quality, but peak in terms of, like, you know, everything after that is what's after White Ferrari, everything before it is what's before White Ferrari, you know, it's kind of like, even though it's really close to the end of the album, I feel like it's kind of the emotional centerpiece of the record, but, uh, with Siegfried... Godspeed and Futrophy. I typically group these tracks together because uh, I, I like the way they uh, go with each other. Like, on their own, I don't think these tracks are anything great, but I think one after the other, these tracks are really effective. And uh, Futrophy is crazy. I, <laughs> I, I never bump it because it's like nine minutes long, but like, it's, <laughs> it's a really good closer. One of the best closers that I've ever had. But going back to White Ferrari, um, in part of the song, uh, Frank borrows lines from a Beatles song, Here, There, and Everywhere. Now, being an ex-Beatles fanboy, 
I know that Here, There, and Everywhere was written by Paul. Now, most Beatles songs were written by uh, Paul and John. They were credited together. But this song was just Paul. Now, I looked at the songwriting credits for White Ferrari. Um, no, I'm going to pull them up right now just to read them. Yes, I'm pulling this up on my school Chromebook because my actual computer is fucking missing. So, White Ferrari songwriting credits, Paul McCartney, John Lennon, Kanye West, Frank Ocean. What Kanye wrote, no one knows. Uh, John didn't write shit, but he's credited for some reason. And so, I was thinking about this, and I was like, well, what was John doing? You know, he was probably off beating his fucking wife. Because, I don't know if you guys know about this, John Lennon is not a good, he was not a good person. Like, at all. Just, like, not a good person. So, he, uh... He put this album out in, when was it, 1972. Uh, I have it pulled up. It's it's a double album, so it's like long as fuck. It's literally 90 minutes long. Um, part of it is studio and part of it is live. And it's credited to him and Yoko Ono because, of course it is, Yoko Ono just kind of took over John's life. We all know this. I feel like we all know somewhat about the Beatles at this point. But <sighs> the first track... On this album that he released. I'm not going to say the name of. Why? Because I don't want to get cancelled. And I don't think I should say it. If that tells you what it is. So uh, I'm going to replace the N word. Also the one that John uses has the hard R. So that's good. I'm going to replace it with gamer. So this track is called Woman is the Gamer of the World. Woman is the Gamer of the World. What does that mean? So, on Wikipedia, so I don't know how true this is, but Yoko Ono apparently coined the phrase, coined the phrase, coined the phrase, woman is the gamer of the world. What she was saying there was like, women are treated like slaves and they're treated bad, but given that she's Japanese... There's not many black people in Japan, and she just moved to America. She doesn't fucking know that the N-word is that bad. She thought it just meant slave or whatever. I'm not excusing Yoko Ono. She's a weird-ass bitch. Like, she's a psycho. Have you heard of her music? It's insane. But that's where it came from. But then John just went with it. Like, I could I could see someone who doesn't know the English language saying the N-word on accident. That's fine, you know? Well, it's not fine, but, like, no one cares, right? But this is John Lennon, and let me pull up the lyrics of this song, and yes, I just looked up Woman is the N-Word of the World on my school Chromebook. We're going to forget about that. So, um, the chorus is, woman's the gamer of the world. Yes, she is. Think about it. Woman is the gamer of the world. Think about it. Do something about it. And he repeats those lyrics for a while there. Um... And then there's about two, there's about one verse and then like kind of a bridge. And then the outro is we make her paint her face and dance. So you see, it's kind of like a feminist song, right? But being racist in your song kind of cancels out the feminism, right? Like, sure, feminism's good, but I don't think you should come, I don't think you should go about it <laughs> By calling women slurs. I, I I don't think that's the way you should do it. But 
And after I thought about that, it got me on a kick of just post-Beatles John Lennon. Because, I mean, Beatles broke up in, like, what, 67, I think? Something around there. No, eh, maybe 67, 68, something like that. But, uh, you know, he only died in 1980. So that's, like, 10 whole years or, like, a little over 10 years of John Lennon's life that was not in the Beatles. And you know he stayed making music, right? He's John Lennon. You can't make John Lennon not make music. So, uh... One project of his that I found, I found this about a year ago, uh, when I did not know much about John Lennon at all. Uh, I was in a local record store, Lost and Found Records in Knoxville, if you knew you know it. Um, and I was just kind of flipping through, I like to go to record stores and just spend like an hour there flipping through records and then just like buy nothing. But <laughs> I found this one that had a little cardboard like sleeve over it. Like it was in a plastic sleeve, but it had a cardboard sleeve over the main cover. And I saw that it was John Lennon's face, right? And Yoko Ono's face. And it said two virgins in the corner. So I I, I, I picked it up. I'm not going to lie. I was curious what was on there. I slide the cover off in this record store. And I see butt butterball ass naked John Lennon and Yoko Ono. And on the rear cover is their ass. Now, let me tell you something. Yoko Ono's ass is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Now, I, I don't body shame, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, but it's goofy, bro. It's like, it, it, it's not just like she isn't caked up. It's like, it, it's like it's compressed. Like the whole, like the crack is not long enough, you know? It's weird. Um, But yeah, Two Virgins is also a very strange album. I'm going to, I'm recording this on my phone with my school Chromebook right next to me. So... I don't know if it's going to pick up the sound at all. I don't even know if my voice sounds good. Uh, but I'm going to pull up. This is side one. The The album is subtitled Unfinished Music. And it's just two sides of what sounds kind of like studio outtakes. I've got it going now. Let me skip to like further in. And it's basically just random sounds like that for a while, but yeah, it's 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 weird. Uh, Yoko Ono's solo material is quite strange as well. Uh, it's you know, for me, what defines music is I don't fucking know, right? I can't tell you to define music because you know what's art, what isn't art, what's music, what isn't music. I genuinely think the things that aren't music is Yoko Ono's music, because it's literally, like, she's making sounds with instruments and her voice, right? That should be music, right? But if you listen to it, you're like, no. <laughs> this, she's just screaming, and someone just, like, hit a drum randomly, and then someone spilled a glass of fucking pencils, and then someone caught the cat on fire and it's going, Rawr! and then, like, I don't fucking know, you know? It's, it's weird. It's just weird. I forgot what I was talking about. I went on a little bit of a rant there. <laughs> I just completely blanked out. And I said, like, that's weird because I forgot what I was saying. But that's okay. Yeah, it's... Oh, yeah, her solo material. It's strange. Um, A thing about the Beatles that I always found weird. Why does no one talk about George? Like, Why? George was, I mean, he was the second to die, but he's, like, easily, I don't know. 
I feel like if you look at all the Beatles music talent-wise, I feel like George is the most musically talented. Like, Beatles songs are insane. No, no, look, some of them are easy, you know? You can play Blackbird after spending about 10 minutes with it if you've never even played guitar. Okay, maybe not if you've never played guitar. It's a pretty easy song to play, right? And so are a lot of Beatles songs. But when you get to, like, White Album-type shit, or, like, uh... Hell, even... Even some shit on the early, like, Please Please Me albums was pretty pretty wild. Uh, mainly on bass, though. But George... George... He never really, he wasn't flashy, you know? If you think of, like, people that are thought of as greatest guitarists of all time, they're like Slash, or Kirk Hammett, Steve Vai, Joe Satriani. I don't think any of those guys are the best guitarists of all time, but those are typically brought up. Um, where was I going with that? Jesus. I remember where I was going with that. Uh, he wasn't like that. He wasn't flashy. All those guitarists were all flashy. George followed the school of thought of serve the song which is typically which i don't like because i played drums in church for a long time and they always just serve the song serve the song no serving the song and making okay worship music rant this is going to be a worship music rant i have kind of a loose outline of a script for this podcast this is off the cuff so <laughs> don't take what i say too seriously i'm high as fuck so Contemporary Christian music, right? It's probably my least favorite genre of music. Why? Well, uh, the entire even if you are religious, I feel like you can agree that in terms of musicality, contemporary Christian music is pretty fucking basic, right? It's not very complicated. It's typically a lot of basic chords. It's not hard to sing because it's meant to be sung by a large crowd. I understand that. You know, you can't throw in a huge vocal like performance because not everyone can sing that good, but, like, I feel like they they strip back the instrumentation to focus on the lyrics, which I understand, but part of the worship music is making a joyful noise for all to hear, and the way you do that is not by telling your drummer to shut the fuck up and just play hi-hats and rim shots all the time. That's not what you do. That is not the way that you fucking worship through music. I'm not even Christian anymore, right? But I still have strong opinions on this because I did it for so fucking long. But that's the end of everything I plan to talk about. <laughs> I don't know if like 22 minutes is a bit short for a podcast. It's the first episode, though. I've got to listen through it. I'm not even sure how you get a podcast up anywhere. But uh, I'm going to figure that out, I guess, after I finish recording this. Um, Yeah. I guess that's that's a wrap for the first episode of the podcast that I haven't named yet. Uh, until next time, whatever that is, I guess.